Welcome to the first chapter of the epistle or letter to uh, the Thessalonians. This is Pastor Joyce Erickson, and I want to welcome you again to BelieversBibleSchool.com. And we have learned that part of understanding any book of the Bible, if you've been listening to uh, particularly the background on First Thessalonians, you learn that any book of the Bible, we need to know the culture of the people as well as the author who wrote the book, that book of the Bible, because they are coming from their perspective out of their experiences that they were living in as the Holy Spirit anointed them to give out the truths of God. Well, in this case, that would be the Apostle Paul who was called to minister to the Gentile population in Asia Minor, Macedonia, and Greece. And we have learned, however, that the Apostle always started out by preaching to the Jews at the synagogue on the Sabbath in that city. Some came to believe, and he gathered them together to begin a church. He then went out into the marketplace during the week in whatever city he was in or town to witness to the Gentiles. Although he had much competition, there were many who came to believe in Jesus as their Savior, and they left their idols behind to follow the one true God. And as such, Paul ministered differently to Jews than he did with the Gentiles. But what he did is then he brought them together, the Jew and the Gentile believers, and then into the church. And we learned, however, that there was a stumbling block between the Jews and the Gentiles wherever he went. Well, many Gentiles came to believe um, in Jesus as their Christ. They left their pagan uh, idols behind. The Jewish believers, on the other hand, insisted that the Gentile believers could not be, uh, become saved unless they became Jewish. Now, in our last lesson on the background of the book of First Thessalonians, we learned a little bit about the culture of the times and the people at Thessalonica. And as we study uh, of the writings of the Apostle Paul, it became apparent that he was a man of strong discipline, he was set in his ways, even though his words came straight from the throne room of God. The way he wrote, the beginning and the end, ending salutations, his consistent customs, the wordings that he used to the various groups of people were all methodically thought out beforehand. He didn't vary in his tactics from city to city in what he did and what he said. With the exception of the book of Hebrews, which many people say the Apostle Paul wrote, but we do not know for certain, all of the Apostles' introductions are pretty much the same, except for the book of Hebrews. And how he ministered to the people was pretty much consistent in every city. So let's begin with verse 1. Chapter 1 of the book of First Thessalonians. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. 
And so either listen or if you want to get out your Bibles, great. Okay, so verse 1. Paul Silvanus, which really is um, um, uh, Silas. <laughs> I forgot there almost for a moment what his name was. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, as the author of this book, was assisted by Silas, his traveling partner in the ministry, and his young disciple Timothy, who were both with him in Corinth to write this letter to the church at Thessalonica. Now both Silas and Paul were with the apostle in Thessalonica when they presented um, the gospel in the synagogue and in the marketplace a year and a half earlier where a few Jews but many Gentiles came to Christ. Because their ministry only lasted three weeks due to unbelieving Jews attempting to get them arrested, Paul and his team quickly fled the city. They then traveled inland, if you recall, to the town of Berea, where they were accepted until unbelieving Jews from Thessalonica heard that they were in Berea ministering in the same way. So some of the, these unbelieving Jews went to Berea and stirred up the town until Paul was forced to flee that city as well. He left Silas and Timothy in Berea to continue to minister and set up a church. Paul was given an escort and traveled to Athens, Greece. It's a huge uh, pagan city. And uh, upon arriving, he sent word with the escort team that was heading back to have Silas and Timothy to come to Athens to meet up with him. In the meantime, Paul ministered in Athens until all three men joined him together. So Paul, concerned about the believers in Thessalonica, sent Timothy back to check up on the church and minister unto the people. From there, Paul and Silas and a few new disciples that the Apostle Paul had gathered while in Athens, they traveled 60 miles across a land bridge between Athens and Corinth, where they settled down to minister and set up a church there. Now, how long Paul was in Thessalonica, we don't know. But during his stay, he more than likely got to know the members or the people of the church in a way that the Apostle Paul and Silas could not have because he was able to spend more time with them. Timothy then brought word back to the Apostle Paul, telling him of the current situations that were going on in that church, which prompted the writing of this letter. So as the Apostle Paul addressed this letter to the church of Thessalonica, he addressed it to the leaders of the church so they could read it to the congregation of believers in that church. That letter then would become an official word of the Lord, and then they could pass it on to other churches. So the apostle first gave his salutation, which would become his usual customary greeting 
in his future letters to other churches in which he said, Grace, which is God's favor and kindness, along with his peace, be given to them. Verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and Father. Verse, verse 4. Knowing, beloved, your uh, brethren, your election by God. So because of learning the Thessalonian believers were growing in their faith in spite of the persecution that they were enduring, the apostles' heart was filled with gratitude. So as such, he began this letter by giving thanks to God for them. They were a healthy, growing church. And the Apostle Paul knew that those who chose Christ those who came into the church were there by God's design. God foreknew and had a plan and purpose for the church, and each one who was who then was a part of the body of believers there. So remembering how the Apostle Paul and his team were in Thessalonica, for, remember, for only three weeks, being run out of town, according to Acts 17, Paul was grateful for Timothy's return in his efforts to assist the church with their needs. God was certainly moving within that church as their faith was growing, as they remained strong in their faith. God's plans and purposes were certainly in operation within that church. So then the apostle continued his letter by saying he made mention of them in his prayers, meaning he regularly prayed for the believers in that church, and he, he did that with the various cities that he ministered to. Unless led by the Holy Spirit to pray otherwise, he did not need to spend long intercession time for them, but simply lifted them up to the Father and trusted that he was taking care of them. So because he would later say the same thing, we found out he'd say same thing to the church at Rome, church at Ephesus, Colossae. And so we know that praying for the churches was part of his regular praying that the Apostle Paul prayed during his prayer life. <clears throat> Verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So here the apostle was quick to remind the church at Thessalonica that the words that he preached to them when he presented the gospel of Christ to them were more than just simple words. Those words were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit drawing them to the Lord and God's operation in their lives. As such, these new believers responded by not only accepting Jesus as their Messiah, but they also became followers of him, and they were growing in their faith. Okay, verses 6, 7, and 8. And you, 
became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. So even though these new followers of Christ, they were facing severe persecution, they faced it with joy in the Holy Spirit. They were walking examples of what a Christian should look like and behave like. Being they lived in a trading city, people from all over Macedonia and Achaia traveled in and out of that city so they could see they were a good example to the world around them, even in their own city. They were a witness for Christ in their daily lives. They were also found witnessing Jesus to those who came through their cities as well. <coughs> Their joy, however, was not without persecution. So let's look at some of the persecution that they were faced with. For the believers who were Jewish, their lives were wrapped around the synagogue. We talked about that earlier. However, they now faced family and friends and synagogue members who were strongly opposed to their acceptance to follow Jesus Christ as their Messiah. These Jewish believers, however, continued to attend their synagogue on the Sabbath because accepting Jesus as their Messiah wouldn't stop them from remaining Jewish or attending their synagogue. It enhanced their faith as a Jew as they followed their long-awaited um, uh, Messiah. But they also attended the church where the Gentile believers attended. In other words, they would be at uh, the synagogue on the Sabbath and on the first day of the week, which we know is Sunday. They would be with the Gentile believers. Now, the unbelievers despise this, the unbelieving Jews. But there was also persecution for family and friends, and it made it more difficult to be socially involved with their synagogue. Many were mocked and scorned for believing in Jesus and hated um, uh, for associating themselves with the Gentiles in their Sunday service, their agape service, what it was known of uh, at the time, their church service. Now, these believers instead rejoiced as they grew as a fulfilled Jew under their Messiah. Through their mocking and persecution, they still continued to grow in their faith. The Gentile believers, they, they, they faced persecution in an entirely different way. Gentiles as a whole, they did not care how many gods you worshipped. Add this Jesus, yeah, that was okay. But to leave all of the other pagan idols? That turned you into an atheist, meaning at that time, one who did not believe in the pagan gods, the opposite of what we think of today. 
That was terrible. Then to no longer worship the emperor, <coughs> that then became a crime against the state. Then let's add more fuel. You could not be part of the military because all military had to bow and worship Augustus Caesar. <coughs> Their social life was totally changed as the new Gentile believers no longer got drunk with friends. They became sexually pure and kept within their marriage bounds. <coughs> Goodness. They didn't socialize at the temple with the prostitutes anymore, and they stopped going to party-like gatherings. Becoming a Christian cost them something and for some, it even cost them their life. So whether a new believer was a Gentile or a Jew, either way, they were persecuted by family, friends, neighbors, maybe even their government. Some were even martyred for their faith. Some were forced out of their family. Some lost their jobs which then brought on poverty and unable to take care of theirs or their family's needs. So you can see why the early believers, they stuck together. They needed each other. But they continued to rejoice in their faith. That is why it became so critical for the new believers to be together. They encouraged and supported one another while they re-echoed, repeated, while they re-echoed the words they learned from the Apostle Paul, Silas, and Timothy. They ate, they prayed, and they had communion together so that they could grow and stay strong in their faith. They even shared with other believers who had a specific need. In other words, they all needed each other. Without that close connection, their faith would grow dim and eventually fade away. Instead, many met even daily or very frequently so that they could grow together to become strong in the Lord. Then on Resurrection Day, which is Sunday, the Jews and the Gentiles purposely met together to worship the Lord. In addition, they witnessed the gospel to those around them and beyond, which led people throughout Macedonia and Achaia to know them. Remember, this was a trade city, and so there were people traveling through their city at all times. And they were a godly example wherever they went. Okay, verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So in a large cosmopolitan trading city such as Thessalonica, the, new, the news of a Jew and Gentile assembly of believers in Jesus Christ definitely got the attention of the city as well as those who came to trade or simply travel through. What's, 
what set them apart was when believers from other towns or cities came through, these Thessalonian believers welcomed them with open arms. So how these believers lived their lives rang out loud and clear, and all eyes were upon them, and they were the talk of the city. And people could see how these Gentile believers, they left their idols to serve the living and true God, which takes us to verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Because persecution was ever present in their lives, the believers spoke of a time when Christ would come to deliver them from the wrath that was coming upon the earth. In other words, they were speaking openly about the rapture of the church among themselves and to the other believers that they encountered. How they were looking forward to Jesus rescuing them, to deliver them from the terrors of the coming judgment, this became a topic of conversation, a regular conversation with them. So then this letter from the Apostle Paul would be essential to help them mature in their faith. So, that concludes chapter 1, and then we can go to chapter 2 at your leisure. And so, again, God bless you. Pastor Joyce Erickson with BelieversBibleSchool.com. We will talk to you next time. God bless.